Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, place to up level in every aspect of your life, from personal development to mindset and spirituality to business tips and relationships building. We bring you best interviews, tools, and inspiration where one episode can change your whole life. Here's your host, Jasna Borza. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to yet another episode of the Up Level Together podcast. And boy, are you all in for a treat. Today, I introduce you to my spiritual teacher, the person who really helped me heal and cohere all parts of myself, and the person who is probably the most responsible for me writing my book, Healer and Heals, and the person who actually uh, titled my book, Healer and Heals. Uh, Steve Tonsager is my spiritual teacher, my healer, and a person who single-handedly changed the trajectory of my life. When I look back, it's actually quite remarkable that it was through the pain and the struggle and Um, a, a lot of different things that I was faced with, it was an opportunity to meet him and to completely and utterly reshape my life. Steve Donsegger is the founder of Visperology, which is a healing modality that he created. Um, he um, is a scientist holding a degree in chemistry and master's degree in biochemistry, But he also um, has a master's degree in acupuncture and oriental medicine. He established his practice in Wisconsin in early 2000s. And then ever since he's continued his education in Chinese medicine, cold laser therapy, homeopathy, field control therapy, and Tellurian physics. And when I met Steve, I was ready to learn. I was ready to heal, but I was also ready to learn. And I talked at length in my book about how I found Steve and exactly what transpired in that session. And today I wanted to have the, the person himself on the podcast and really talk about the healing and this, this concept that we're all here healers of our own lives. Steve is such an incredible highly coherent, integrous human who continues to do research and move the needle, so to speak. But um, my life is as grand and coherent and beautiful in part because of Steve and his contribution and his teachings. And ev so much of what I know and what's in the book, Steve taught me or um, told me to learn about. And I'm just so forever, forever grateful to him. We're going to talk about love, about healing, about the things that we can do today and a variety of other uh, concepts, which I think are so incredibly important in today's world. This is the conversation to be had. If you've ever wondered, well, who helped Yasna on her path? Who is her person? This is my person. And you get to meet him. You get to hear his insight, his wisdom, and his teachings that have changed my life and I believe can change your life as well. Without further ado, here is my spiritual teacher, Steve Tonsager. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to yet another episode of the Up Level Together podcast. Uh, if you're watching this, whether uh, on YouTube or um, on our website, or whether you are listening in your car or while you're doing the dishes, we have yet another absolutely incredible 
episode and I feel like I'm a little nervous today. Normally I'm not nervous about these things because I have a very, very, very special guest. Very, very, very special guest. This is the person that single-handedly transformed my life. There's a life before I met him and there's a life after I met him. And this is my spiritual teacher, Steve Tonsager, the founder of Whisperology and a dear, dear friend of mine. And I have been talking about Steve and Whisperology now for years. And if you have been following along, you're like, well, who the heck is Steve? We are about to find out how brilliant and amazing he is and how he's created something that is so incredibly beautiful and holy. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm so darn excited. This is a full circle um, moment for me. We're going to uh, talk a little bit more about Whisperology in detail, but uh, I think now with the book uh, coming out into the hands of people, you, of course, are a central figure. You are the reason why this book exists. You are the reason why the book is titled the way it is, Healer and Heals. And it's really uh, in the book, I describe how you literally taught me everything I know in the book. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Very happy to see all of the things that you're doing with Whisperology in your own personal and professional life. I love that. I just love that. Thank you so much. Again, it, none of this would have been possible without you. So um, really briefly, for those of you that don't uh, know the background, haven't read the book yet, I was really struggling with um, maybe a little a dose of PTSD after visiting my uh, war-torn country of Bosnia and um, some of the allergies and mental disturbances that I had as a child came up after 20 years of really not witnessing them. I and I couldn't eat peanut butter, I couldn't eat eggs, I couldn't eat any of these things. And I was just very perturbed as a human. And I waited for months to see Steve. Um, and it was a recommendation of a dear friend. And I was like, you have to go see him. And when I did in the book, I explained there was a moment where I felt I literally floated off the table. And then I was a radically different person afterwards. My All of my allergies disappeared overnight. And I felt like I, I wanted to hug everyone in the trees. Like I felt like I was literally a different being. And I proceeded to want to learn from you because I couldn't understand what had just happened. I just knew that my life was forever transformed. You have done this kind of work with astrology for uh, so many different, uh, so many years and so many different people. You have heard this from, I suppose, from many different people over and over again. I, I have, I've heard that story many times. It's a gratifying story. So what do you think of that, right? When people say that they literally have this in, you know, very out of body experience while they're being treated by you. And at the introduction of this conversation, people have heard all about Vispirology, what Vispirology is, and we're going to get a little bit more into that. But, you know, what do you make of that? It tells me that even when we're accustomed to living our life with a particular set of expectations. When recontextualization occurs, and that often can happen through the process of imprinting, 
life is transformed and people experience that. They experience it emotionally, they experience it intellectually, they experience it uh, in their body as a kind of freedom and peacefulness that is so foreign to them, it can feel miraculous. Okay, so this is really wonderful. I would like to backtrack a little bit now, going back and explain a little bit of um, uh, the the this, the methodology and the work that has gone into vispology. So, um, for uh, you've heard also at the beginning, dear dear uh, listeners, you've heard me say that Steve uh, is an author of plethora of books. They're all available on vispology.com. But it was it was this book that got me started and it was like the power of the wisp i think it's the most underlined book that i have ever read and i inhaled it and it was an invitation to really learn more from you and an invitation to continue to study in all of your books whether they are about whisperology or intention-based field resonance testing um, or just the allegories of everyday life. But take us back a little bit, Steve. How did you get started with Visperology and why Visperology? Why is it so special from your own words? I think what makes it special is that it gives us a different lens to look at ourselves on many different levels, not just a physical level or an energetic level, but also an informational level. And I use the criteria of coherence in all of those different domains to see where people are limited in terms of being able to express their full potential. And that potential comes from places that are invisible to the testing that conventional medicine is able to offer for people. It's deeper than that. It's in a different realm. I would call it a spiritual realm, not a physical realm. And that realm is just as real as the physical world that we think is so certain. Actually, it's the uncertain realm. And your book speaks to that a little bit when you talk about quantum mechanics, quantum physics. So the, the overall idea would be to see our, our connectedness, which quantum physics helps us to see that. And I think that's one of the main reasons why your book can be useful, as opposed to seeing us as separate. We tend to compartmentalize those different parts of our being, and that includes both the physical and non-physical aspects. Okay. So this is very important. Let's bring this up to, to people if they're thinking like, what are you guys talking about? Coherence, testing, all of these things. So uh, you have developed a methodology where um, it's kind of through muscle testing, through you know access to spirit, because you are a very experienced meditator. And I think it's very important to know that you're also, they've heard that you have a scientific background but you really access the, the you connect to the field of a human being. And it's kind of like um, you talk to me about the blueprint, like you're thinking about the human being and how, you know, the, the approach of astrology is a blueprint of a house. Yeah, really accessing the deepest part of ourselves where physical manifestations are only a surface symptom. Tell us about that. 
I think it's a useful analogy because no matter what part of a house you're considering, every part of that house, whether it's a large part that's very obvious to its structure, like a, a brick for the foundation, or it's a finishing nail for the trim in your house, all of it bears the mark of the design and the designer, uh, the architect of that. And so one could liken every piece of a house to a manifestation of the blueprint. And we have a similar blueprint. It's just a useful way of thinking about how we are patterned in the image and likeness of our creator. Okay. And that domain from which the house comes, though, is not a physical domain. It's a spiritual domain. And you've heard me say many times, uh, quoting my friend Bill Tiller, where I first heard it, that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Our physical experience is reflected in the house. We require the house in order to have a place to hold our spirit. But the deepest part of ourselves is is not visible. And it's in those deepest parts of ourselves where if there's a misalignment with our true path here or any level of incoherence, which means yes. non-alignment in general, is that it manifests in the physical. But you always taught me physical is the last thing that we're going to notice. The the If we go deeper, we will see that there has been that um, incoherence in the informational yes. uh, field for for quite some time or spiritual but it can be emotional incoherence or mental incoherence tell us how you figured that out and how we could really use this virology to kind of come back to into that alignment the tools that i developed for whisperology and the theories are based on that belief i just shared with you we are spiritual beings having a physical experience the tools connect us through a remarkable quality humans have. We call it the power of intention. But that, uh, so all of the tools of whisperology can be classified as intention based tools. I call them the whisperology toolbox. The concepts that underlie the use of those tools are part of a spiritual system. So I've often said that whisperology has more in common with prayer than it does with science, at least the physical sciences. I, I love that. And to me, that has always been a beautiful reminder and how you have approached me and everyone that I have seen you, um, you know, work with. But one of the things that I think people really should, as they're trying to wrap their head around whisperology, because it can be such a new new concept, is that it brings your whole self into alignment and ultimately it realigns you to your purpose, the purpose of your creator so that you can manifest those gifts into, and radiate them into the world. And every time we're, so to speak, not on our path, we're going to manifest incoherence in one of those domains. Is that correct? Yes, in all of those domains. You, you, you get an A. That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very good answer because uh, everything is thoroughly purposeful. What human beings fail to realize is that what we hold in mind, meaning what we hold in 
consciousness is that which we are subject to. And even the cells of our body know that because they too possess a level of consciousness that is under the direct influence of our deepest self. I love that. So, um, so I love that so much, especially since um, one of the things in, in um, your work that you have taught me is preparing yourself to for to be most aligned yourself to bring yourself into that state of spiritual alignment and you do that every single day um in a very special way and you've developed something called the drills that are available in all of your books and they're the things that has saved me on certain days that are so beautiful yeah. and this is a most applicable way to use Visperology without ever seeing you in person, which if people ever get a chance to work with you, I think it would be um, such a gift for their life. But um, and it, it is something also that I um, that I really, really um, recommend. Tell me about the drills and why are they so important and what impact have you seen them have on others who use them on a daily basis? I think the drills are life-changing. What makes a particular drill especially powerful is if that drill connects to the limiting beliefs of, an, of that individual. Most of those limiting beliefs that are most influential are unconsciously held. When whisperology is able to identify those particular limiting beliefs, those forms of interference or distraction, just the fact that those have been brought to mind begins a process of those limiting beliefs losing their power to run you. We need not only to let go of that which holds us back, we also have to use our power of intention to align with those limiting, to align with those gifts of the spirit, which are interfered with when we are run by limiting beliefs that function below the surface. So there's a lot in the writing about these different mechanisms that we have which give us clues that we are being run by limiting beliefs. It might be, how dare you talk to me like that? It could be, it's not my problem, it's your problem. It's this same thing keeps happening to me over and over again. Whose fault is that? So we tend to look outward. And uh, the truth is that our, our limiting beliefs, because they are unconscious, are perceived to be outside of us when they come from within ourselves. The drills help us to connect with that part of us that mostly sits outside our awareness. So uh, whatever language you use, if they're called unconscious or subconscious, the key point is they are outside of our awareness, our waking consciousness. But just because they're not there, they run us. And strong emotions, strong reactions, uh, repetitive events, these are all ways that God would have us know that we have work to do. And when we're purposeful about doing the drills, 
we begin to access the power God gave us to not be run by those beliefs. We call that a recontextualization when the beliefs that you live by uh, somehow put what held you back into a different kind of place. It's no different than when somebody says, I know this happened to me a long time ago and I learned a lot from that and I don't do that anymore. So they recontextualized a past event. Sometimes we don't know what it is that's holding us back. But once we find it out, we need a daily practice to overcome it. And that's what the drills are for. I love that. And I would also say, even when we don't know, when they're subconsciously held, um, what has helped me is sometimes, you know, I'm like a detective, Steve, figure it out. What is this? And you're like, no, no, no. sit with it, my dear girl, figure it out on your, on your own. And that has been such a beautiful beautiful reminder that just by repeating it you have to understand that that um your inner your soul knows and can hear those things that, that need that need healing yes and that's so the primary purpose for beginning uh my my meditation with what you know i call the meditation you know that begins with the words that you know so since you have that, I won't recite it, but you you know the words I'm talking about. I, I do, but why not recite it here for us? Would you like um, that? Sure. There's so, there's never, uh, you can never say that meditation too often. So would you like I, me to do that now? I couldn't agree more. And just to preface, give people a little bit of a background behind, behind the drills, Steve and I often went back and forth about meditation. How do you get yourself into the best place so you can be of service to others and to... Uh, alignment and I remember filming you once reciting this meditation and I remember I don't know if you remember the moment but I was like I do I was, remember yes I was crying because I felt the sincerity and the power of that um, meditation I call it a prayer that just moved me profoundly I'll never ever forget that moment so would you please sure yeah yeah every word can be seen as a prayer and uh, every word was uh, carefully chosen and and I think you know also calibrated for its level of truth. So, all right, well, here you, here you go then. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us give thanks for the gift of the light, for it is the light that makes us one. All has come from the light, and one day all will return. So let us give thanks for gifts of faith, hope, and love. When the light has come into our lives, the world is forgiven. And there are no grievances about anyone or anything for any reason, known or unknown. Future, present, past, or karmic, it matters not. For in the brilliance of the light, our spiritual vision is restored. And we honor the one light that stands behind and beyond, permeating every appearance, including our own. And we give thanks for the gift of peace, peace which comes when we surrender every resistance to the light. So by faith, hope, and love, by the power of intention, by the gift of grace, let us walk in the light, reflect the light, become one with the light. For the light is our source, our destination, and our home. 
I am more than a body. I am free, an infinite being, subject only to what I hold in consciousness. And still, as God intended me to be and to become fully found, fully free, fully awakened, fully transformed. Thank you. My nose is tickling. You know, that's for me. That's, that's I know that's a sign for you. <laughs> that's a sign for me. That's a sign for me. That's so beautiful. And it never loses its charm. Um, and for those of you who always ask me, how do you get yourself into balance or ground the energy? This is the prayer when in the hardest times in the best of times and the drills that can really bring me back into the um, into the into myself, so to speak, into balance. So thank you so much. It was so beautiful. So beautiful. You're welcome. Um, so Steve, when we're at this conversation around using some of these, as you call them, training wheels to bring ourselves back into coherence, into optimal state of um, alignment with source so that we can manifest um, good well-being and health on all levels, you have and this is the really central thing in my in my book you've always told me you can do this you can heal you're right and i was the healer in heels i'm like i wear dude i wear heels and and dresses how am i a healer like you're a healer in heels and would you speak to this idea that really we delegate our own healing and power to others we want others to fix us just like i came to you and said steve here fix me now Um, and i still come to you for advice because you are you are someone that i respect and admire greatly and uh but in terms of everyone listening and their own ability to heal themselves can you give us your insight into our ability to to heal all parts of ourselves okay Well, the way I would begin to answer that question would be probably the same no matter who asked me, because I've had the experience of many people being healed. Some people would say miraculous healings, physical and non-physical. It is very important to know that uh, I don't heal anybody. God uses me for healing. We are vessels for healing we are conduits for healing whatever language you like what prevents us from being able to do that is our own limiting beliefs and i'm fond of uh, talking about and teaching people that the way for healing is to get out of the way and by getting out of the way i'm referring to the to the fears and the limiting beliefs that prevent us from realizing our potential, realizing our purpose. So it's intrinsic to being a human being to have this ability. If we are humble, if we are reverent, if we believe in the purposefulness of life, if we believe in the purposefulness of everyone's life and that everything is part of a plan, if you have that kind of receptivity not passivity but receptivity that god has put you on this planet at this time for a purpose then all we need to do is become open to it and allow those gifts to be awakened 
part of what is not appreciated because we're so used to being on the passive and receiving side is that our most powerful tool, our most powerful gift we were given uh, to create is our thoughts. And actually thoughts create. Uh, the first act of creation is a thought, whether you speak about that from a, a Christian point of view or another point of view, uh, but we create through our thoughts. Thoughts have energy. They have intention. They carry information. And the thoughts don't emerge from our brain. They come from a different place. And that place is not physical. They come through us. But that power to create comes from source. And when we are aligned with source, all of that power comes through us. I'm, I'm very fond of so many inspiring short passages in, uh, in scripture. And one of my favorite is uh, Jesus being quoted as saying, uh, I'll just be silly about it. Hey guys, um, I've done this, but you know, you're gonna do a lot more. Usually it's translated greater things than these shall you do. I really believe that. And when we are fearful, uh, doubtful, skeptical, we close off that access we're given to God to be healers. So it doesn't require special knowledge or skills. That's the ego talking mostly. It requires a contrite, loving, humble, integrous heart. That's that's the key. Oh, I love that. That was so beautifully said. You know, um, for those of you listening, Steve and I used to um, go back and forth. He called me a girl with 1,000 questions, right? I think it was 10,000 questions, but it's the right idea. <laughs> 10,000 questions. Maybe, and yeah. On we a slow day. Right, on a slow day. And I'm like, yeah. okay, Steve, what about this? And he's like, does she ever shut up? <laughs> Mostly no. <laughs> Mostly no. But I really wanted to learn. I yes. really, really did. And I felt why I'm so grateful now in writing the book that I get to share the message of this astrology. What it has done is that uh, I have been searching for a very, very long time. And I felt like when I met you, there was there was an incredible integrity and science and knowledge and wisdom and spirit all in one and i really could comprehend the things you were saying most of them <laughs> some took a while but you really spoke to me at, at at um at the deepest level and has really taught me about how do i want to show up in my life and i think i want you to know how profoundly you have impacted. I mean, I've told you a million times, I know you know, but I wanna say it publicly because it is the testament of you doing the work and the impact that it has had on others. I have had a privilege of interviewing some of the people that you have um, worked with and you would say you haven't healed, but they were in your arms and your hands and your practice. I've met people who have recovered from stage four cancer, and I've met people who have recovered from lifelong traumas, who have had um, all kinds of chronic diseases vanish completely.
completely disappear. And I think that sometimes, and, and some of this um, healing you have also done remotely. And this is all so new for people. They really have a hard time comprehending. Yeah. How does that work? That's just, that's crazy. And I would like you to speak to this ability to really um, that healing, when we remove the weights, those are the incoherences, the uh, unconscious beliefs, um, some of the things that we may have ingested uh, that are material or otherwise that are really weighing us down, when we remove that, we can finally come back into into that sense of coherence and alignment where body knows what to do. Speak to us about some of those uh, remarkable, remarkable things that have happened in your practice. Well, there have been a lot of things that have happened, as as you know. I, I'm going to stick to my script, though, that one that's in here uh, and mostly in my heart. And it says that, um, again, I don't I don't heal anybody. I'm grateful that God has used me in many ways to be a vessel of healing for others. So that's a wonderful privilege, and I I give the I give the uh, glory to God for those kinds of things that have happened. What I've been able to contribute is a a way of investigating all those different layers, all those aspects that makes you or me a house, to use that analogy again. And those different concepts combined with the tools that I've developed give us a way to enhance our connectivity with other people and on different levels, on different layers. And none of that would be possible if below, or you could say beyond our perception, we aren't all intimately connected. We're connected more than we realize. One of the terms that Bill Tiller liked to use, um, my, my friend and in many ways mentor, was that he liked to talk about the granny effect. And I like to ask my students if they know what I mean by granny effect. And everyone kind of recognizes that there's something here, but how is it that you can pray for somebody? And is it just coincidence that they feel your prayer? They're aware of the time that you're praying or other kinds of research that are done that show this type of connectivity that goes beyond what we can explain through concepts of space-time. So our ability to connect with other people remotely would not be possible if we didn't have an underlying connection which goes beyond the physical realm. And that is the realm, actually, that is most real. Just it's counterintuitive when you have a body, when you put on your shirt and shoes. But the most powerful, real aspect of ourselves is mostly hidden to us until we begin to awaken from our sleep, as I'd like to say in the meditation, and turn our our direction toward home, and that home is not in our body. It's it's a different domain. 
I love that so much. And I feel like in the world right now, most of us are yearning to go home because what I have been hearing and what's very obvious, the level of collective anxiousness and malaise, overall malaise. Very true. Yeah. We're having a really hard time navigating the, the world affairs, the uncertainty, all of those different things. So in a way, this is a really invitation for all of us to, to come home and to align with who we are. True. I agree. I love yeah, al Alignment is a lovely word. Um, alignment and alignment is within our abilities. That is what we can do. We can align and you have you've heard me say this before, but I'm I'm only quoting uh, or paraphrasing another one of my uh, teachers, and that's David Hawkins, that the sun is always shining. The problem is we don't perceive the sun to be shining because we have managed to fill our environment with all kinds of clouds. So what we do have the ability to do with the power of intention is to move those clouds. We don't have the, we don't need to get the sun to shine because it's there. It's, it's there all the time. I love but, that metaphor. Yeah. It's, it's a nice metaphor. Yeah. It's beautiful. So you're referring to David Hawking's and yes. you can, you can spy all of his books. I, I, I see that you are, have, and they look fairly well marked, which means you've read them more than once. Good. Uh, more than once, you know, except for the eye of the eye, I still struggle for, with that one, but there's a reason for it. And by the way, um, so folks know, majority of these books are literally the books that Steve told me to read, and they're my permanent library, um, including all of his his books. In your in your book, um, intention based field resonance testing the power of the whisper you talk about you know what um the why the the whisperology arose from this you know the notion of the whisper um i want to read something do you want to tell us like why whisperology the 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 the, the reasoning behind the name sure um i chose the term whisperology because i did not want a description that sounded like a new branch of science. I wasn't interested in using all of the fancy words that I have learned to use over my, my different kinds of training. I think the word is gentle and it is uh, a little on the whimsical side. It also captures something about mystery. And so you've heard me say, we talk about being the whisperer and the whispery. Uh, to hear somebody whisper, you have to pay attention. It's a soft form of speech. It's not being shouted at or yelled at, is it? So that whisper suggests a much more gentle process. And to hear very clearly, we have to be in a serene and calm and peaceful place. So the idea of being a whispery requires a, a gentle and peaceful attentiveness to hear that information that comes to us from source. And whisperer, which is the other aspect of that, is when we use our intentions with God's permission to be of help to others, we, we offer it not from a place of 
arrogance or pride or some sort of personal power. And I think there too, we don't, we don't shout our response out. We don't force our response out. And the language of being a whisperer suggests that same gentleness and peacefulness. It's an invitation. We can't compel someone to respond, but we can invite them to respond, which is the respectful and mutual way to do that. And that happens below the surface because so much of the imprinting is done silently. Sometimes it's always done with permission, meaning uh, the whisperologist has determined that there's permission to give this kind of information. But we do that in cooperation with the person that we're with. We don't impose anything. So that language of whisper, I think, is uh, very appropriate to the humility, the love, and the mutuality that we need to have for the other person, whether they're physically present with us or we are helping someone through a remote process. I love that. And I feel that right now in the world, there is newfound research is coming up and people are being more open to remote healing and they're understanding it through the, the some of the backings of the science. But it's really this loving kindness intention that opens doors that, that we know works now in, in so many studies that have been done. And I want to read this from the page 25. You say, when your intention is driven by unconditional love for the other person, the doors open. Anything we can do through our daily drills to surrender any limiting, any limiting and narrow beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions, or intentions will help us in our own spiritual journeys. Yes. So this brings me back to, I think the most fundamental thing that I have been taught, one of the most fundamental things is that when I am in that state, and now I know how to get my, you know, I need quiet and I need my candles and I know how to get myself in that state of resonance, of coherence, of um, this loving kindness that you have taught me to do. And I, you've taught me how to envision others and send them love. In that process, I am being changed. So it's, yes. it's almost that it reminds me of the, what is that Kierkegaard quote? The prayer doesn't doesn't change a person. Who, uh, do you know what do you know what it sounds? Uh, I I think what you're referring to is that. Um, well, I would say it in a different way. Of course, but, you would. Of course. <laughs> but but I but I I agree with you. The the marvelous quality is that when we, um, when we practice love at as high a level as possible with the surrendering of any conditions, including some sort of a payback, the automatic gift that comes to us when we give is we receive. And so it's very, very common that when you imprint some loving intention for another person, it is multiplied within yourself as well. And, and so just the process of 
being a healing influence for others is healing to yourself. It, I love that. Um, I yeah. love that. I found the, the quote, we said, uh, the okay. Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher said, prayer doesn't change God, but it changes him who prays, which is precisely what you said, probably more beautiful. <laughs> well, my, my, my favorite Kierkegaard quote, because I read him for many years, um, goes to intention. And what he said was, purity of heart is to will one thing. Why am I speechless? I don't know why you're speechless, <laughs> but, it's a, but it's a really beautiful way of saying what is the difference between choice and intention. Uh, choice on a quantum level, you could say is as small as a single spin flip. But when intention uh, is increased by intensity, and that intensity is increased through sincere devotion, loving devotion. This, this is what I hear in that Kierkegaard quote and what um, uh, Bill Tiller and I talked about very often. When we want to increase the intensity of our intention, I like to call that a deltope. It's just a word that I created for that about intensity of intention. The way we do that is not through our ego, not through our, our intellect, not through our trying harder. It's through the intensity of, of unconditional love. And so that's, that's how we make change. If we have that same type of intensity, it's more than just making a choice here and there. It's our whole being aligned, intending that something loving and powerful can happen in someone else. Do you keep saying how there has to be more to life and feel like you're not reaching your full potential, whatever that is? Or maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with life and you need to create a healthier life. As a top Minneapolis life coach and business coach, that is where I come in. Whether it's helping with your life purpose, decision-making, life balance, accountability, or bringing a vision or business into reality, we focus on your dreams and goals and use strategic and intuitive tools to help you reach your full potential. Listen, working with a coach will help you achieve goals faster and with more confidence so you can create the most meaning and happiness in the shortest amount of time. And just please know that I place mindfulness and your mental health and authentic alignment over anything else. No amount of success will be worth it if we're sick, not happy, or floating through life. Almost all successful people have mentors and coaches for all areas of their lives. And so should you. And I would love to be that person for you. So go to yasnaborza.com and schedule a session um, and see everything change. Love you people. Would you say then uh, that with this, with, with that intention of unconditional love, which is what you have taught me to do, because I feel, I feel the tickling in my nose, I feel shivers, I feel so, uh, I can't, I really can't describe it. It's an amazing feeling, but would that be the first step when we're feeling 
like the whole world is against us when we're feeling not good about ourselves. Um, for me, what, what that does is shifts the, the focus on me and my ego. And it really changes me in the process as I as I do that. Would you say that's one of the one of the first things that we can do to make ourselves instantly feel better? Yes, absolutely. I love that. Okay, so uh, I want to build on that a little bit. This is something that you know I have my ego really, really has a voice, a strong one too, especially when I need to be right. And um, there's a quote in your book where you say, surrendering your own arrogance or vanity about yourself, I really have to do work here, including your favorite theories and opinions will, will help you overcome the separation between you and others. When you are out to show how smart or skillful you are, the doors to healing close really, really fast. So um, you are encouraging us to find a home in spiritual tradition, any tradition that honors the presence of God in everyone. And I think that if we look at the polarization in the world right now and the hatred, we're canceling each other out. And even you know, with my kids or my spouse, we're like, well, no, I'm right. I am right, right? But I can imagine you saying that. <laughs> right. Oh no, that would never happen. But yeah. I've come a long way. I really have. And you've taught sure me you often you would say my three favorite words, I don't know. Yes. And another three favorite words, I love you. And yeah. it's kind of a powerful um, I think a recontextualize recontextualization also in in the culture right now we're really hating on each other and feeling separate from from one another speak to me to that about our own vanity and ego and separateness from others in terms of how uh, really going back to the we are all connected that that is a, a self-inflicted wound it is you're you're right about that I, I think it's a really important subject because we have this tendency to, uh, including myself, of course, that we want to be right. And somehow the process of wanting to be right and weighing in on every single subject is connected to a small part of us uh, that would at the same time want to make other people wrong. And so if we're engaged in this battle of rightness and wrongness, we're imposing, we're, we're creating that separation. A much more useful position to take, instead of thinking about people being right or wrong, would be to say they live in a different context. If I was in that person's shoes had their same experiences, I would likely have their opinions to the last syllable, except we're not able to get ourselves there. So empathy is valuable. It's as close as we can come. But instead of saying right or wrong, we might say, well, if I was in your shoes, I could see it that way. Or we could just accept the idea that we might use the same language, but if our contexts are different, 
the meanings are different. So I like to say that content is determined by context. So if two people have different contexts, their content is different. And when we don't recognize that, it's too easy to label someone as right and someone as, as wrong. That also puts those clouds in the way around the spiritual gift of humility. Humility, again, is not a passive way of living. It is a gift of the spirit. What prevents us from experiencing humility is our insistence on being right, our insistence of using pronouns like my idea, my thought, my belief, my car, my this, my that, depersonalizing those sorts of things that matter to us, including our opinions, helps us to not get quite so emotional and irritated. And when you're emotional and irritated and you're having a discussion with somebody, obviously you're learning something about yourself, not just about the other person. But we're so quick because of the context that we typically are in to be unaware that when we are really fired up about being right or wrong, it's an invitation for us to look at ourselves. Mm, no, and we don't want to do that. That's no, why, why would we want to do that? Because then we might have to change. <laughs> right. Oh, how, what, what a revolutionary concept. Well, one of the things that you have really taught me and that I have really taken to heart is we live in a world where not only do we want to project, but also in terms of fixing things overnight, the gadgets, the like the quick, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this red therapy, I'm going to do this. And you would often tell me, it's like, all of those are fine. That's all wonderful. But you don't need any of that. And that was really remarkable. I want you to speak to the culture that we live in, where we are delegating our power to gadgets or people or things we are not taking charge of our own household. We're not cleaning house ourselves. Would you address that a little bit? Well, I, I agree with what you're saying. All of those means which you're describing are external to us. And when we think that our, our hope, our, our success is somehow tied to something which is external to us, we've also set up the um, context of being victim. I can't be this because I don't have that. If only so-and-so would have done this, I would be this way. There's a, a lot of different ways in which if we externalize and don't, don't grasp that our power comes from within, that we become we become a victim and we also buy into a belief system that the solution is out there. I would just emphasize what I said to you before, which is our most powerful gift is, is creation and we create through our thoughts. So if you want to change things, it begins in the most powerful places with your own thoughts, with your own intention. That manifests in the world that's where your focus should be. 
So let's make this very practical, Steve, for people listening, because you know I want to know, like, okay, how do I implement this now? How do I test this? Because I love to test things. If someone is listening right now and they're just experiencing um, an array of symptoms, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, they're just not feeling themselves. They're feeling like kind of lost. Where should they start in terms of the power of intention? Um, and you used to tell me intention is the mouse of consciousness, remember? Yes. That, yes. And, yeah, and it's the mouse that can take you anywhere. That they is can true. take you anywhere. So yes. is it is it saying, okay, I intend to feel better? Is like what will be the language if we're just so desperate and sick of being sick, frankly? Where should we start in our early mornings or late evenings where we're just kind of in a place of surrender? What should we say? Where should we start besides the drills and the meditation? Well, that is where I would I would begin. I think it is the only place that makes sense to begin is with that which is most powerful within you. And that is your your level of connection to source your level of connection to what I call the gifts of the spirit. And that is, that's where our power is. When we do that, when we start our day, we are setting not only our intention, but we are bringing into our awareness over and over again, our context. And so you have to see the events of your daily life within a spiritual context. When we do that, we aren't run so much by the things that we have to do in our day. We have an awareness. Uh, it's almost sort of a position of being a spectator. This is a concept that is known by many people. Hawkins was very good at speaking about how it is that one sort of looks at, at oneself doing all of these tasks as if, well, I'm sort of that person, but there's a part of me that sees me going through those things. Well, that person, that observer perspective is the perspective that carries that awareness of a context that I'm living out my life with this intention to be loving, with my intention to be humble, with my intention to be kind, uh, knowing that my hopefulness comes from within, not from the things that are around me. I'm joyful because I'm joyful from within. I am, I am loving because I'm, I have the courage to invest myself in others. Or if you use the Hawkins language, I have the willingness to try something and not be wedded to the outcome because I know my intention, my willingness opens up new new doors for me to walk through. I have this um, belief that all of what I'm doing is purposeful. I, and I think when people become skeptical or lost to the idea of purpose, they lose their power. But if you believe everything that you do is purposeful, beginning with setting that intention in the, uh, at the beginning of your day. I think you can carry that intention with you as a kind of mindfulness. And when you get messed up or someone rubs you the wrong way, 
I think it's important to have a sense of humor. Uh, you could even say a reverence and, uh, uh, and then just simply uh, let it go and not beat yourself up about it and get back to what it is that you were intending to do because and we're just, we're just limited and we're not bad or evil, but we're very uh, clueless. We become very small. We're very naive. And uh, we do a lot of foolish things. Hawkins was fond of saying that without God, we don't know how to discern the difference between what's true and what's false. And, and so I believe it requires that kind of reverence for the gift of life that tells me that I'm an, I might not know all the reasons why I'm here, but I believe I'm here for a purpose. Now I'm going to try and express that in the small things that I do during my day. That's really beautiful. Um, and it reminds me how you would always tell me, I'm like, oh, Steve, I messed up again, or I lost it in my kids. And you're just like, oh, you, you told me to tell myself, oh, silly you, there you go again. And yeah. then that lightheartedness about it is like we're having a human experience in the, you would call it, I remember the classroom of human experience, yes. like learning, don't be, because um, if I'm correct, I know I'm right. No, I'm correct. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> that sounds familiar. But it is it is the, um, the when we're hard on ourselves, it worsens our you know, it makes our energy worse. We get even more down on ourselves. But the lightheartedness and self forgiveness opens new space for taking the next right step uh, or bringing us closer home. Very true. There's no energy available to do any meaningful work when we're depressed or guilty or apathetic or shameful. Uh, that is the language uh, that Hawkins used, you know, this to talk about force versus power. And it robs us of our ability to make powerful change. And uh, that, that state that of getting, um, being being a victim or be feeling like you've been beaten up, or life has mistreated you. There's no there's no energy for anything productive in that. Let it go. Let it go and move on. So now, if someone is listening and they're in the chaos of life, and this is the feedback that I very often hear from people that I talk to, like Yasna, I don't have time to get up and meditate. I don't have time to set intentions in the morning. I'm running around. I have four kids. <laughs> And just in in the in the delivery of it, I feel dizzy because I can hear the stress and the overwhelm. Yeah. Um, what what you have taught me is that the intention takes a second. It is a moment. It's not you don't need to delegate hours. It's the intensity again of the the delivery, the deltops, right? So it doesn't. Yes. It's not necessarily time, but the intensity and the 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 power of the intention. Yeah. One of the things that we talked a lot about and that you learn to do is to condition space. And your, your book talks about that as well with a lot of practical ideas about how to do that. So it doesn't take a long time to begin in the morning uh, and spend 30 seconds or two minutes in space that's conditioned, uh, that has 
whether it be words or objects or symbols, but it's a place that uh, reconnects you, reminds you, grounds you to that which it is that you're intending. It's very easy to have a, a word somewhere, a phrase somewhere. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go off and become a monk. You don't have to go uh, isolate yourself to learn how to manifest your intention. But I do think you need small, small ways, small reminders uh, through the day of what it is that you are seeking to do and to have a space in your home, a small space that you begin your day in is, it can become just a very powerful tool to keep you connected. And it acquires certain properties which are very interesting and uh, these are things that you you know about, uh, but it is it is it is a way of being intentional. Someone might say, "Well, I don't have time." That is an excuse too. So take a small amount of time if it's important enough, and and create with your thoughts. Create by finding some very tangible, particular daily way of setting that intention. I think that's so beautiful. And for everyone listening, I really recommend that you start with the drills. Um, the drills are available on in all of Steve's books that I really highly recommend that you that you read. They're on the website with spirology.com. And uh, they're they're worth studying because they, they they take you um uh, um a step deeper if i may say and if you're willing if you're ready to learn i think that there will be such a phenomenal place to start steve we have a little bit more time because i want to keep chatting okay yes Fine. okay sure. thank you thank you thank you i think people are going to just love they're so excited about who's steve and i'm so excited that you're here um uh, because you're just such a such a special special um, figure in, in my life. I want to go back to just, you talked briefly about the conditioned space and ev um, they may be confused by what conditioned space means. That's a, that's a term that Tiller used, but I remember, and I would love for you to explain it a little bit so they can understand it, what condition means. It's the feeling for me that I felt in your office when I would come, I would come and I would be driving and there'll be phone calls and meetings and I would come into your space and I would just feel like I completely dissolved. There was a peacefulness. It's almost like it's this feeling of walking to a room and you know something bad just happened, right? You know that that space was, you can just feel it, you can't explain it or in in um, your case of your of your a practice where I felt just completely transformed by the energy. That's because you have conditioned the space with a certain yes. intention for healing. Would you just yes. clarify that a little bit? Because I get so many questions about that. Um, okay, I'll try. So another term that I use for conditioned space, I use in my allegories quite often, the Abkilfkin stories. And I, I like to call condition space intention-directed 
space or intention-oriented space. So if we look at that simple description, intention space has qualities to it that would make it to be a, a sacred space, a holy space. Many people have had that experience in a, a cathedral or a synagogue or an ashram or uh, by a, a lake that they've always visited. There are so many different possibilities. How did those spaces become special? How did they become sacred? Because of not only where they were placed, but the activities that took place in those spaces. When, when a space is filled with loving intention, love is as real as the walls around that space. The space actually has certain qualities. And healing is not an accident in spaces like that. Uh, so that feeling of calm, that feeling of comfort that people get in certain spaces is not just a figment of their imagination. It's a, it's a quality that can ac actually be appreciated and measured through the sophisticated experiments of uh, Bill Tiller, for example. We can see that space is far from empty, it's full. Uh, quantum mechanics has great appreciation for that too. As you know, uh, the analogy of a, of a single atom being mostly space and all of that energy being in that space is a pretty interesting thing to think about. When people ask me why healing works, this kind of intention-based healing works without getting into the thermodynamics. And I think we have Bill Tiller, probably among others to thank for that. Uh, we access through the power of intention, an infinite uh, sea of energy. And that energy comes through a different domain to actually condition physical space as well. That's why people feel those changes. So beautifully said. I know you always know how to package it, like just so perfectly where it just lands. I love that. Thank you for that. Uh, one, I have three more questions. Um, no, you don't. You have 10,000, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, yes, I but do. you're going to limit yourself to three. I'm going to limit myself. I'm going to do my best. All good. Okay. You know me. Uh, the uh, There is this um call inner call to us to resist when tough things fall in our lap when we experience heartache pain um suffering we want to resist it to get rid of it numb it right and you have taught me that when that happens welcome it in for that is a gift it's an opportunity to recontextualize and to heal, otherwise it wouldn't be here. Tell me, tell us about that. I agree with exactly what you said. I think it's very true. The hard part is that we resist change. Change is so difficult 
it has been in my own life. It is in everybody's life. But if you believe that everything is purposeful, then that would also include those things which are most difficult and resistant to. And often in the moment, we have no way of making sense of difficulties. Often, though, in hindsight, not always, but often in hindsight, we are able to see how things that were very difficult were necessary for us to get to a different sort of a place. Consideration of karma, which is a huge, huge subject, probably beyond our discussion, is a powerful way of recontextualizing perfect love and perfect justice from our creator. That's a tall order. If you consider all of the hurt and destruction and harm and which appears to be so senseless and unnecessary. Is it possible that anything that we experience in our own lives fits into a greater plan? And I believe the answer is yes, even when we can't prove it, even when so much of that would seem to be insensitive or, or uncomfortable. I, I, I don't believe there's anything that stands outside of source. I love that there's a lot of faith we have to have when those moments come and believe that it's purposeful and that it's here to uh, to heal us. There's a, I think it's a Chinese sign for um, problem that it's spelled like it has the same meaning as opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I love that. And and right now, what, what you have taught me so beautifully when tough things arise, there's like, what do you have to teach me? And I've had to ask myself that quite a bit in the last year. I'm like, okay, why, why am I supposed to learn again and again? And I think one of the things that I have also learned is this concept, and this is my language, it's not your language, but new level, new devil. I feel just when I like heal one part of myself, I'm like, okay, that's been taken care of. I I am faced with yet another part of myself, like a shadow part. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So I think I've come into this acceptance that I will always continue to be humbled and always continue to learn. But if we can have a sense of playfulness, humor with it, and and expect that it's going to come. I think it's almost like we move through life without with less friction. Would that I think it's sense? I think it's true. I also think that when we make those decisions, make those choices and intentions for ourselves, uh, we don't realize that we are conditioning our immediate space, but also the larger space. It is a way of being a healing influence to everyone. And I, I would add to our planet. So uh, it's one of the reasons why Hawkins was fond of saying, if you want to fix the world, why don't you start by working on, on your own issues? And I, I do think that the more and more we become uh, loving and we evolve in our consciousness, we attract into our lives, opportunities to 
not only for ourselves to grow, but we become a catalyst for other people to grow as well. Uh, that's so, a, you know, who you, who you are, yeah, who you become is much louder than the words that you use. So people will say to someone who has been doing this work, I don't know what it is, but I just like being around you. And the opposite can also be true, right? So when we are doing our work, when we are becoming more and more aligned with the gifts of the spirit, uh, we influence both immediately and and uh, and remotely. And I like to say non-locally. So it's the part part of our gift to creation is to do our own work. I love that we are the ones that we have been waiting for. I just love that so much. That's the last sentence in my book, and I had a like the best teacher ever. Um, so Steve, you now, very sadly for me, but happy for you, you live in Arizona with your beautiful partner, Carrie, where you are continuing the work of this astrology and you're continuing the research because yes. you never stop researching and, and, and creating and looking to source for guidance. But you also um, are have right now this um, a deep desire to train others to become certified whisperologists so they can continue in, in doing the, the work and uplifting the, the mankind. So tell us a little bit about it, because people are going to want to know, how do I get to see Steve and meet Steve? Are you available for, for healing sessions? Um, are they remote or are they in person? And also tell us a little bit about the Visperology training, because I know that there's another one coming in, in October. And yes. I was so blessed to go through the training um, and so incredibly grateful for what it has done in the for me in the process. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to do that. I think the main initial focus after after considering where my life would go would be how how could whisperology continue uh, my my vision is that someday there would be a whisperology community in every town in the world that people would come together with prayerful intention and use a system like whisperology to help others and to help themselves and help our world. I felt like the only way that I could do that would be to write the books that I've written. Uh, and that includes the current book I'm working on called The Karmic Portrait. But it also meant teaching other people to learn how to do whisperology. That process is achievable, but what I find is it needs to be done in small groups. And it can, it's limited to me being able to teach people. So the, the goal is to grow that, to have more people that can teach it and more people that can share it and, and practice it. This will be the fourth cycle of having a training program for whisperologists, I think it 
becomes modified with each training program because I'm aware that there are so many different learning styles. I'm also aware that just like any new activity, people have fears and reservations about being able to do something. And so the training has evolved to help people to explore what are some of their potential blocks or barriers to learning. But the, the program has developed into a, a one-year training program. It seems to be about the right amount of time to not only learn the skills, which uh, are broken down into six main skills, but to have the opportunity to practice and to experience both the frustrations of, I'm not sure I can do this, to, wow, I actually can do this. How is it that I can do this? So it's, of course, very fun to see that happen. But that that process um, takes, takes time. And the people that are able to do this are, are an interesting mixture of people. And it has really very little to do with what you know or what you think you know or what your degree is or what licenses you have or what healing experiences you have. It really comes down to as simple as what you have in your heart. Mm. And uh, are you an integrous person? Do you believe that life is purposeful? Do you believe that uh, God can use you to be a vessel for healing, not only for the people that um, your family, but for for really anybody? So, so it's really open. That, the training is open to to anyone who is willing to learn the tools of astrology and be able to do this work for others and open their own practice. I, I think that's right. I think that the key is your own commitment to spiritual growth and personal development. I think whisperology forces a person who wants to learn it to do that. Otherwise, they don't learn the skills. And they don't uh, perfect the skills. And when we are talking about intensity of intention, that ability to imprint has nothing to do with your education. It has everything to do with your heart. And so the most powerful imprinters that I've worked with um, have not had fancy degrees, but they've had a love for God and a love for others. And they've believed that it isn't because of what they know. Uh, it's a quote again from the scriptures, but it says, um, uh, I believe I can do all things and in, in he who strengthens me. It's just another way of saying that our faith and our trust that we are this kind of a being that we can be used in this way is really the key. Mm, can you can you repeat that uh, the scripture? I, it froze for me on the side just a second. I can do all things in he who strengthens me. There are yeah. many, there are many uh, translations of it, but that's the idea. I can teach people about anatomical things, physiological things, biochemical things, energetic things. What I can't teach is for someone to open their heart and be a vessel for, for healing. That we have that choice. We have the freedom to make, to turn and be used in that way. And 
that is the that's the key that's the key to learning whisperology which is why you've heard me say many times it has so much more in common with prayer than it does mm -hmm. with um, uh, one form or another of alternative or conventional medicine it can be used by anybody but the key to using it is what's in your heart not in your head and I've seen it do miraculous things. If you're listening to this and you're, you know, you're interested in healing and this is something that you would like to learn, uh, whisperology.com has all the information about you becoming a practitioner. And even though I'm not a hands-on practitioner, you and I have talked about this, I'm like, it just, I, I, it's not who I am. I feel like the principles of whisperology are, uh, constitute my entire life from the moment I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And that is that unconditional love, um, living my life like a prayer and really trying to understand when I am out of coherence, out of alignment, uh, faster than, than normal. Uh, so before I hit the brick wall and really stop myself and go back to the drills, go back to the meditation, because it's from that space where anything is possible. Uh, if I'm in that space versus, you know, the the bull in me that likes to force and push and make things happen, there's a sense of effortlessness and um, thy will, not my will when I'm in the space and I have you to think because you taught me that. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Um, Steve, I, I've, um, if people want to work with you or have a session with you, is that an option? It, it is an option. The easiest way to do that is to go to the website and it has uh, the email information to get a hold of me. I, pref I enjoy meeting people and seeing them face to face. My favorite way to work with someone is to have them physically present. That isn't always possible. So I'm able to work, I think, just as effectively with people remotely, but it's not quite as much fun for me. But either, either option is a possibility. It takes me the same amount of time to work with someone, whether they're here or not, unless they are a person like you with 10,000 questions. <laughs> but it is... Uh, it, sorry Just, not sorry couldn't, yeah i know couldn't couldn't resist that one but it's easy to do that uh if if people are interested in learning whisperology but are new to it one of the suggestions that i have made is that maybe they want to schedule a session with me and uh, and see what whisperology is like there's a part of the initial training that has to do with the identification of obstacles for being able to, I, I call it, get out of the way and be a whisperologist. And so I have a, a tool that I call a limiting belief profile evaluation. And that's another kind of test that can be done in person or remotely, which identifies a lot of the spiritual work, the opportunities that a person should embrace to become even a more and more uh, powerful whisperologist. And my experience has been that those tools have helped 
students that have a variety of worries or fears about their ability to do something because we have all of these self-sabotaging, mostly unconsciously held limiting beliefs. That can be made worse if someone says, well, but I don't have this degree. I don't have this. I don't have that. How could little old me do anything as great as that? And those, of course, are ways of expressing limiting beliefs right there. So sometimes it's very helpful to identify that on the front end. Uh, but that's all, all very testable. Okay. Well, yeah. it's good for people to, to know that. And I just had a really wild idea that I'm going to um, call you with. And you know, I have wild ideas about how we can make this even more applicable to, uh, to people and to humanity. This is, you've been so generous with your time. I know I went way over like I normally do with you, but I can't. Well, that's what I would, I would expect. I now I know it's really you. <laughs> I really cannot thank you enough. I cannot oh. thank you enough for taking me on as a student when I was so stubborn and you said no. <laughs> and for giving me the very first book you said, here, just keep it, just read it. You're stubborn, you with 10,000 questions, just do it. Because yeah. it has really taken me on um, a path in my life of finding myself. You know, when the student is ready, teachers appear, you're definitely, I think that person and I followed you to Arizona and um, will always be your student and a dear friend. And I'm really, really, really grateful for the time that you have taken to work on yourself so that you can make such an impact in the lives of others. And like you have single-handedly shifted the trajectory of my life. And now the book is a testament to that and it will continue to bless others. So I really want you to to know that I, I'm just so profoundly grateful because I am a better, more beautiful, nicer, and kinder human being because of you. So thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. As you know, you're very welcome. So for all of those things uh, that we have discussed for the find information about Steve's books, to find information about um, working with Steve or becoming trained in Whisperology, you can go to whisperology.com and all of its beautiful developed website. And Steve is just really, really approachable and down to earth. And as you can tell, uh, uh, one loving, integrous human that I really, really recommend everyone finds a way to interact with. Um, and I also will be releasing a uh, recorded version of the drills that I listened to for your for the download. Uh, it's going to be linked somewhere somewhere here because I also recommend people buying one of your books, Steve, and recording it in their own voice because it can be so incredibly powerful to uh, to do that. Thank you so very much. And for everyone else, just remember that you are healer and heals. <laughs> and that's a metaphor for this belief that we are the ones that we have been waiting for enough of delegating our power out to others. Seek the help of those who can guide you. But in the end, we have to do the work. Did I say that right?
I liked the way you said that. That was good. Yeah. I'm a good student. Thank you all for tuning in. If you find this interesting, if you find it insightful, please share with someone who is like life we can bless. And um, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. Until next time. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Please share with anyone that might find this useful and go ahead to all iTunes stations and please give us a five-star rating. So much love for you all. Please, please, please know that everything can be different. You're worthy. You're good enough. And let's up-level together.